0: Live. Live from. New
1: York. To New York.
0: This is the Just End the Suffering podcast. Wait
1: for the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle. Follow me. Follow
0: me for freedom. Already put it. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. <laughs>
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk and long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Got a good show for you this week. We're going to catch up on the Stanley Cup Finals this week. We're going to be joined by Pete Considori, our hockey guy, in just a bit. Pete and I are going to break it all down. The Stanley Cup Finals, as you were recording, listening to this on the dated drops on Wednesday, September 23rd. It is going to be September 24th. Excuse me. I can't 23rd it may maybe i'm not sure i'm mixing my dates up but anyway it is tied 1-1 after two games we spoke to pete constory on monday night in the middle of game number two broke it all down i'll start with a little holy moly had some fun with pete there about he's the pop culture guy this week as well put those both together fun conversation long time chat with pete checked out in a bit We'll also do our week three nfl picks this week and we will be joined by one of my good friends jet fan kevin lillis we have some thoughts on the jets we'll make the picks for you that's coming up as well Make sure you're locked into the end of the show for a two-minute drill this week my thoughts on the Mets going forward they're out of the playoffs not going anywhere but prior time's at that's all good but we'll get it all started our opening tip with my thoughts and a little bit of a table setter here for the state of the playoff race three two
2: one y'all
1: ready for
0: this the opening tip and here
1: we go. All right, we are back here. Opening tip. And there'll be playoffs coming up next week. Hard believe. We actually are about to make it through the baseball season somehow, some way. It'll we'll talk about like five teams getting stopped for COVID at one point or another. But we're getting through. We have the 18 playoff coming up next week, the wild card round next week. And the American League, no drama right now. All-A playoff teams pretty much locked in. The only drama really has that the Mariners can somehow catch Houston for that A-L second wild card spot in the AL West, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's not good for the drama-wise. They're going in great, but not great for drama. The NL, you have four very good teams. You have the, the uh, Dodgers, of four of my pick to win the World Series this year. You have the Braves in the East. You have the Cubs in the Central. And, of course, you got the Padres, the second team out West. you got the Marlins, obviously. you got, we're probably going to get in, break the pro season drought. Looking about the Phillies, my good shot. The Cardinals, probably the second team in the Central. And some mix of the Brewers, Reds, Giants. We're going to get that last spot. The Mets are out. They're, they're not going to do the job. I'll talk about the Mets at the end of the podcast. But there is talk right now. This is a talk from Commissioner Rob Manford that the MLB wants to expand the playoffs on a permanent basis and more teams. potentially tends to go to 16 full-time, which to me, I mentioned this in the blog last week, this is a disaster. You should not expand the playoffs this deep. We are having a slow-speed bumper chase of the playoffs, and it's not compelling to watch at all. These teams should have been eliminated. The playoffs should be hard to get to. You are not the NBA. You are not the NHL, where you're basically playing the regular season for seeding. The baseball regular season has always been about the marathon. About, you need 162 games to determine who the best teams are. This model right now, with the eight teams in each league, it devalues the divisions tremendously. Because there is zero incentive to be the one seed as opposed to the eight. Because all you have to do is get in, win two out of three, and you're in the wild card round. What good is that going to do you to be the number one seed? One extra home game is not enough of an advantage. If you have to do it. If you have to expand. And I get there are reasons to do it. Because obviously you want to make up revenue after this year with the COVID situation. Limiting the fans out of the games. And you're going to have some of this issue potentially lingering next year. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. But... If you have to expand, I think there's one model that works and that saves the divisions, and that is the wild-card tournament model. Evan and WFA, has mentioned this. Jason Stark has mentioned this on on occasion on The Athletic, friend of the podcast. But the wild-card tournament, the way I like this is, your three division winners, they get in. They automatically go to the division series. The four wild-cards in each league, the four next teams to the next best records, they play a series of elimination games. So four versus seven, five versus six. You could do it in a neutral site if you want. You could do it at home parks. Winners advance to the next day. Winners of that game advance to the wild card round, the division series. That makes it much, much better because it's, say, you're the Yankees this year. You're not winning the American League you would potentially have to start off with the Toronto Blue Jays in one game and then in the second game, if you beat them, then have to beat the Twins. Would you want to go through two do-or-die games and then have your rotation in shambles ahead of the division series? No, you would not. That's an incentive to try and win the division. This model right now would give you no incentive. It would kill the trade deadline because nobody would care and say, okay, why am I going to you know sell when I can be a hot streak away from getting into the playoffs would not work that's a future problem though let's go to this year a couple of interesting things about the playoffs here the playoff bubble this year we have the american league teams going out to california you have dodger stadium and petco park in san diego hosting playoff grounds this is after the wild card round by the way so the expanded postseason the series are going to be at home parks so the one through four seeds in each league will be at home parks. And they will host the lower seeds. Then they go to their bubbles. The National League bubble is down in Texas, at global at the Rangers' new ballpark, and in Houston. Theory here is, okay, weather controlled, climate controlled, we're going to reduce rainouts. We need that because we are not putting off days in the calendar for, for the World Series. You got the, the, the wild card round in one week. The Division Series, five straight days, no playoffs. No breaks. No nothing. You're just playing straight through. LCS. Seven. Straight days. No game off. And you have the World Series at the end of this. With the regional off days at Globe Lake Park in Texas. To basically have a climate control neutral occasion. If you're worrying about how this affects the Yankees, obviously they're going to have the 4-5 or five seed most likely. They'll probably end up hosting the Twins. So... Shocker, they'll beat up the Washington Generals, Rick Cerrone calls them, friends of the podcast. They'll advance. And then they have to go to probably deal with either Tampa or Oakland or the White Sox, depending on how that top C race falls out. The interesting thing here, at this format, without the off days, it makes it fascinating because this takes away a lot of the traditional approach of, okay, let's rely on our two best pitchers and our three best relievers and sort of Just ride them all the way to the playoffs. We saw this in the Nationals last year. Their entire pitching for the series, it looked like scenes most of the time was Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Daniel Hudson, Sean Doolittle. Those five basically pitched every game for the Nationals in some combination. You cannot do that this year. This rewards the teams with your pitching depth. This means a team like the Dodgers, a team like the Padres, the Rays, the Indians, those teams are better set up for this than, say, the Yankees, who obviously they can't maximize Garrett Cole. The Mets that they got in here could not have maximized Jacob DeGrom. You are sitting there, you have to rely on your guys 3, 4, and 5 to get big, big starts in the postseason. Garrett Cole's only pitching twice in a seven-game series, and he only pitches once in a five-gamer. That's a scary thought. This should be a one-year thing with the days off, but I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be completely new. The strategy will be interesting. Hopefully, they don't kill the Golden Goose here and just completely botch this thing going forward. But for one year, why not? Let's see the drama. Let's see where this goes. Hopefully, no outbreaks during the playoffs. But up next, we will go to our hockey chat with Pete Considori right after this.
0: 49 seconds left in the power play. Gurionov takes it in. Perry in back of the goal. To the outside now. In control. Wound out by hits for Klingberg. One-timer. go.
1: All right, we are back here on the podcast. You guys heard the call: on NBC Sports of Dennis Gorianov's overtime winner to send the Dallas Stars to the Stanley Cup Finals. Join me today, to talk about hockey on the podcast as he always does. The great Pete Considori. Pete, welcome back. How are you,
0: Mike? I'm very sore. Went to the gym today.
1: Yeah, it was a mistake. Are you playing hockey yet?
0: So, so I, I had a um, I we have some return to play clinics in uh in New York. Um, so I play in a pickup game in a return to play clinic And, and it, it, it's kicking my butt I'll be honest with you My legs my legs feel like jello And uh, you know I think it's a sign Because before this whole quarantine hit I was like I'm going to join a gym And then two days later the country shut down So I probably should have taken that as a symbol of like eh, Maybe you shouldn't be going to the gym
1: Yeah maybe not Maybe that was the <laughs> you were trying
0: to tell you Pete you shouldn't go to the gym
1: 2020 is not your year Pete It's okay though You'll think- get there <laughs> I mean, unless you're a Stars fan or Lightning fan, I don't think this is your year. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I mean, even so, like it's not even the real Stanley Cup, in my opinion. It's like, okay, there's no one in the stands. Yeah, this there's is nothing. I, uh, if
1: this is not, there's nothing more. Twenty twenty, like especially like right now in the NHL, you have a team from Dallas, and a team from Tampa Bay, playing for the Stanley Cup in a bubble in Western Canada with no one in the
0: building. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I. Don't... <laughs> you got you got like probably the two warmest climates going at each other in Canada yeah. playing hockey.
1: Yeah, and if this was in June, this would have been a bad rating situation for the NHL because these are two markets that like don't do very well in the TV ratings for the hockey. And now you got it in September with the NBA playoffs going on, with baseball going down the stretch, with the NFL going on. It's not ideal for hockey at the moment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, when it it comes to ratings, you're right. I mean, think about, you know, the two markets that are playing. I mean, Dallas has a big market, and Tampa Bay does too, but it's not like it's the Rangers versus, you know, uh, I don't know, the LA Kings, right, like it was back in 2014. Uh, It's not like Boston versus, you know, Minnesota, right? Those are two huge markets that you'd no matter what time of year, you're getting the views, right? I think they have a captive audience right now, the Lightning and the Stars, because of this pandemic and because we were waiting so long for hockey and it's finally the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, it's just weird that we have the Stanley Cup Finals here with only like a week and a half left of September when usually we'll be gearing up right now for the next season, right? This is where like camps would start and, and October, mid-October is when the actual season would start. So this is a very weird time for hockey fans and I'm sure for the players as well, um, especially the players that haven't played since March, you know, the, the Buffaloes and the New Jersey devils of the, of the hockey league who've been sitting around since this pandemic started. Um, I'll be very interested to see, you know, if we do return to play for the NHL, how they do when we first start.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm looking at the NHL's preseason schedule from last year, I was looking at it and it's pretty crazy. Cause I mean, like, we had a game last year on September 23rd, which is two days yeah. today, with a New South Preseason game between Ottawa and Vancouver. And today, it's September 21st on day of recording. We're recording in between periods of Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals. And we are getting the finals on September 23rd. This, g- this whole thing is weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's very weird. I, you know, I Obviously, the whole country and the whole world is dealing with something very weird and very... Um, um, very important right is this pandemic we have to make sure that this pandemic ends and we can go back to a new normal because I don't think we're going back to normal after all this I mean precautions are going to be super high um but you know I I'm I'm more like even even the guys like even the Dallas Stars and even the Tampa Bay Lightning like what if they decide to start the season up in like November these guys are going to have what a month rest after dealing with the playoffs and the Stanley Cup final it's there's going to be a lot of weird dynamics this coming season
1: yeah, for sure. And before we get to the match, I want to give it pour on out for the Islanders here, who did have a hell of a run up in the bubble. They get to the conference finals. They lose in six to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And what's your big takeaway from that the Islanders did up there?
0: I mean, look, you have to give the Islanders credit. As much as I'm not an Islanders fan, I'm a Rangers fan. Um, it, it pains me to say it, but you got to give them credit. Obviously, they, they had a hell of a run. Matt Barzal is just it's just a, in a league of his own. I mean, he's just, you have to... Look at him and say, you know, if he keeps going the way he's going, he's the next um, big, big name in hockey in general. Right. I don't want to go as far as saying Sidney Crosby and Kyle McDavid, but but he's up there. Um, so the Islanders, Islanders fans, you know, New York fans in general, when it comes to hockey, have a lot to look forward to um, when it comes to the next maybe five or six years because it pretty much seems like the Islanders have their roster set for a pretty good number of years and the Rangers have, you know, their first overall pick coming up in October, I believe, which is pretty soon, I think a couple of weeks. Um, And they have a lot of prospects too. And, and some, some players that are set. So there's some exciting hockey for Islanders fans and Rangers fans coming up.
1: Yeah. Devils fans also have Jack Hughes and Nico Heasier. So there's something there too.
0: You know, it's funny. Like I, it's, it's no like disrespect to Heasier and Jack Hughes. Like, I feel like it's very quiet over there. Like, I feel like no one's like, oh, did you see how how good they're playing? Like, even though the Devils didn't do well, like, they have those guys. They have such a bright future. Like, I haven't heard really anyone emphasizing that as much as they're emphasizing, like, Matt Barzal, um, as much as they're emphasizing other players like Shvechnikov and Carolina. So, so it's just a very weird dynamic. I don't know if, like, the Devils have become, like, the back seat to all other tri-state area sports right now, uh, or excuse me, hockey teams right now, but I, I haven't really heard much talk about like, oh, look how bright our future is for the Devils. It just seems like, it feels like very doom and gloom right now. Yeah,
1: it does, and also they've not played since March, so they're kind of the furthest thing from people's minds in terms right. of hockey. At least the Rangers right. had a lottery win.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, as much as, as, much as Steve gave um, uh, Joe all that crap, you know, he he was rough. Like, if we would have won, we would have faced the the Bruins and God knows who else. And it would have been for nothing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, it did work out well. Let's go back to this matchup, though, with the Stars and the and the Lightning. Game one, obviously, the Stars win. Game two, as we are recording, 10-bay is up 3-1 entering the third period. What's your big takeaway from what you've seen these first couple of games?
0: Um, the big takeaway is that we probably have a rivalry on our hands brewing from this. Um, Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning Mark my words will be a rivalry throughout Seasons to come um, It's definitely a more physical game Tampa Bay has got to stay out of the box though Tampa Bay has been in the box I think five times this game already And we're only in the second period So Dallas has A lot of offensive prowess Okay, They, uh, they have Pavelski They have Sagan, they have Ben, they have Radulov They have an unexpected Prowess in uh, you know, offensive Support by uh, uh, Kibi Ranta. All right. He came out of nowhere with a hat trick, um, either the series before this one or two series before this one. Um, Pavelski had a huge tip um, deflection in front of the crease to get them that that one goal, 3 1. He, they got to stay out of the box. This is this is not a time to give Dallas time and space.
1: Yeah. So that's for sure. In terms of the stars, what we've seen with them so far, I think it's their big key to them to success in this series.
0: The key to their success in the series is to is capitalize on their power play. I believe before this goal, they were 0 for 3 on the power play. Um, and because Tampa Bay is, is, is playing very recklessly and playing the body a lot, um, they've got to capitalize on these power play, uh, these power play um, opportunities. Also, what I've noticed, too, is that because Tampa Bay is being a lot more physical, there's a lot more pinching going on and more breakaways. Um, so we gotta, they have to capitalize on that as well. Big guys have to step up, right? Klingberg is one of the guys who can get a shot in through the point really, really well. He's well-known for that. He's got to do that a lot more. Um, You know, Sagan and Ben, Radulov, Pavelski, they all got to produce. Corey Perry's got to get under their skin. All right, Corey Perry's a decent player. I'm not really a big fan of his because of the way he plays, but he is a player that can get under the skin of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I think if they keep playing with the intensity and speed as they are, and they can themselves stay out of the box, I think that's going to be the key for them to win this series.
1: Yeah, that's definitely interesting to watch with the Stars, especially the power play. They are getting opportunities, not taking advantage. What about the Lightning? What's your big key for them? Besides, obviously, staying out of the box would be ideal.
0: Right. So the big key for them is to stop playing the body so much. I know it's a very, very hard, intense game, especially if Stanley Cup Finals is, is another animal. Um, I, I believe the Stanley Cup Finals is the best playoff finals um, in Major League Sports in the country. Um, just, uh, you know, I might be biased because I'm a hockey fan and, and I play hockey, but it, it is just the amount of, of hits and the amount of speed that this game is played at, I just feel like there's no comparison. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning has to get back to the fundamentals of hockey. What I mean by that is you don't have to blindside someone center ice uh, to try to get hit a hit and be like, we're going to wear them down. You have enough of- offensive prowess. Remember, Steven Stamkos has not played. He has not played this entire playoff run, right? I believe, if I'm correct, yeah. and he's still not back here for Game Two. They don't need Steven Stamkos to score. They have Kucherov. They have Point. They have Hedman. They have McDonough. They've got Yanni Gord. They have Maroon, who's a big guy. Like they have so many people that have brought them to this point. They need to be a little more confident, not cocky, but confident in what they have. So for me, I think for Tampa Bay, let's go back to the fundamentals. Let's not pinch as much. Let's not take those bad penalties. Cause some of those penalties that I saw in the second period were almost retaliatory. Okay. Someone finished their check from the Dallas stars. Tampa Bay was in their face trying to get into a fight. Guess what? They go to the box power play Dallas. So we need to make sure that we're playing. Uh, we I'm, I'm not a, can't be Lightning fan but it is rangers light at this point um <laughs> tampa bay tampa bay needs to take a step back and go look we're a good hockey team we can skate with these guys all right keep the momentum they say a three goal lead in hockey or in sports is the worst lead to have so obviously this is where they were at 3-0 now it's 3-1 um they're about to start the third period keep it stupid simple keep the fundamentals play the point play the position stay out of the
1: box yes yeah, so all those are big keys to this thing one of the I want to touch on with this series four you a prediction here is like the schedule is very interesting because due to the fact obviously that a the players I want to get the hell out of Dodge and go home with their families after this is done and b because of the players in the calendar where we are and the, and the desire of NBC to avoid the NFL Sunday we have a back-to-back in between game, after with games four and five on Friday and Saturday what do you think about how that can play into the series
0: You know, I don't think it's going to play too, too much. Um, I think that it's definitely not an ideal situation for the players, Um, but they're all amped up on on adrenaline and everything anyway. Um, They don't have to travel either, right? They've been in this bubble. They've been in this hub city um, for, you know, however many months playing these games. Yes, the back-to-back's not ideal, but it would have been a lot worse if they said, hey, we're going to have a back-to-back. Now you have to travel from Tampa Bay to Dallas or Dallas to Tampa Bay. So, I think you'll expect from both teams a maybe slower game um, and maybe a little more pinching where they're not as patient. Um, But I think it's going to be a huge, obviously, a huge uh, uh, difference than if you had, you know, one day off, two days off.
1: Yeah, I think, obviously, I think the key is, I think what happens in game four with that, too, because, like, if they're played this brutal smash them up, like smash them up three overtime game in game four, game five being, like, the next day, it might be, like you said, might be a little sluggish.
0: Yeah, you might, you might see that Game 4. It's Game 4 and 5, right? Yeah, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, 4 and 5 of the back-to-backs. Right. So you may see in Game 4 that they're not going as hard, and then Game 5 is a hard-fought fought game, or vice versa, or maybe both are really hard-fought, and then Game 6, they all look dead, right? I mean, I, we don't know how they're going to play. I mean, this is, again, the Stanley Cup Finals. Everyone's trying to get that cup, trying to get that championship. Um, both teams are hungry for it, okay? The Dallas Stars, incredible run. They have a lot of momentum. Tampa Bay, they've been in this position before and lost. And they want a cup bad. So I think the desperation on both teams is going to be high. So the compete probably will be high as well.
1: All right. So let's make a pick here before we go on and see what we're also doing today. We're also going to do a little bit of pop culture before we go to the F L and Do the whole a little bit about our favorite show, Holy Moly. So give me your pick. Who you got winning the cup? I oh, so uh... was well, We'll assume here at the, at the the Lightning hold on here and it's a, and it's a one one series and, it's a,
0: and it becomes and it becomes a five game series. Yeah. I think this is a, this is a hot take. I think if Steven Stamkos doesn't come back, the Tampa Bay Lightning win it. I think if Steven Stamkos does come back, the Stars win it. And the reason why I say that is because this Tampa Bay Lightning team has been playing with each other for however many months in this Stanley Cup run. When Steven Stamkos comes into the lineup, someone comes out. And now they say, "Well, Steven Stamkos is on the ice. Let's get the puck to him. If he doesn't perform, then then that kind of messes them up." I think Tampa Bay is, and um, I think uh, Tampa Bay is a little, you know, more. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh God, I'm blanking. Um, they're they're a lot more easily um, susceptible to taking penalties, but I think they're going to learn from their mistakes in this game, and they won't take as many as game three, four, five, six, however many games it goes. Um, so if Stamkos comes back, I think Dallas has it. If he doesn't, I think Tampa Bay pulls it off in seven. Yeah, you think, you think this is going seven either way? I think this is going seven either way. I, I just, I can't see any of these teams giving up and, you know, I mean, look at the Rangers and, and Kings back in 2014. I, I feel like the Rangers were trying their best, but they kind of knew it was like, all right, the, the Kings are just, they've been on a run and a tear since the first round. There's nothing they can do. I mean, even going to double overtimes, it just it was going to happen. That was a what a four to one series win um, for the Kings. So I, I can't see this game. I, I would be shocked if it was five, but I could definitely see it going at least six or seven.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be fascinating to watch this watch this series play out here, and it's going to be fun. That we want to talk also one thing before we go into this. I'm going to talk a little more next week on the podcast about like the winter sports, when they come back for the next season. I right, So we have mm-hmm. the, the draft coming up about a week after the finals ends, so October 6th, October 7th. We'll see the Rangers draft Alexis Ralph Farnier. The start of the next season is a little bit TBA. I mean, Gary Bettman, I think the other day at his State of the League press conference said, you know, what, we're going to try and play 82. We're open to play in yep. December. We don't know yet. We don't know if the winter class is going to be moved. We don't know when we're going to have fans back in the arenas. What do you think the outlook for the league will be about when they start the next season?
0: Well, I think the other thing that we have to worry about on top of what Bevan was saying is if the Canadian border is going to be open. Yeah. Right. So if the Canadian border is going to be open to the U.S., then we can pos- we can have the possibility of the teams traveling. All right. So baseball's been traveling, football's been traveling. Um, basketball has done the hub city like the NHL did. So I can't see why basketball and hockey could not follow what, um, football and baseball are doing especially because knock on wood our numbers for COVID is going down and it looks like we're heading in the right direction obviously we have the cold weather coming up but again being hopeful we're headed in the right direction when it comes to this pandemic so if canada opens up their border um for professional flights or something like that like even if it's not for vacations but something that could be um a professional kind of thing i I i see at least the season starting maybe in December, um, because again, there's so many unknowns, right? So in at least in December, in their own home arenas without fans. And then I can see as, depending on which area you're going to, sporadically having fans. Because then there are like two arenas, two stadiums in football where people can be in the stadium, but like social distance and, and it's only like 25% capacity or something like that. So if that's happening in NFL and that's outside now, like I, I can't, I can't see why uh, hockey and the NBA can't do that. But I, I really don't think we're going to see a NHL season like uh, regular season start until at least December. Because let's say they get through the draft in October, you still have training camps, you still have preseason. If they want to play all that with an 82 game um, season with regular playoffs, you're, you're probably looking at a December start.
1: Yeah, I think the things you, are, Rob, you're a great point with the Canadian border, which is like obviously like they did not open for the Toronto Blue Jays. They had to play their whole season in Buffalo, and like if you're not playing it in the NBA, it's not a big deal. Say okay, we'll relocate the Raptors for a year and we'll put them in the United States to travel. But like, right, there's
0: too many teams in Canada. Yeah, there's yeah. too many teams in Canada for you to just be like, no, nah, we we can't have them. Where are you gonna put them? You yeah. know, like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you could, I mean, theoretically, you could do some, like, a hybrid model where you have some divisional play and you have, like, a Canadian-only division, but, like, I just think the, the inequity, I think they, they may end up waiting longer than we think they will, because especially if they want to get fans in the buildings, and these reports on the vaccine are true, it might get it starting to be deployed in, like, the first quarter, second quarter of 2020, it's like, I see them saying, okay, we'll start with the Winter Classic on January 1st, and then we'll play without fans, and then, slowly build into fans and i think they get i don't think the hbc season is happening i don't think they want to be playing into the
0: summer regularly well i'll tell you one thing about the winter classic i feel like the winter classic um is not gonna be a thing if they can't have fans i feel like the winter classic where they get all their revenue from all that is that hey you can go and sit and watch a hockey game outdoors if you have no fans, it's the same thing as this watching on the bubble. Like, what's the point of having it in the stadium, right? Like, I'm not trying to say like I wouldn't like to see that because I love the Winter Classics and I love the outdoor games, but if you think about it, those outdoor games are are mainly for the fans. Yeah. So I I can't I can't imagine them doing a Winter Classic in an outdoor setting. With no fans, they may do a winter classic just to say, "Hey, this is the winter classic. We're going to make it an event, you know, like almost like a Super Bowl event. We're like, hey, we're going to have this, this, and this. We'll have a performance, you know, make it a day. Have your family over, watch the winter classic." I don't think they do it outside in the stadium, though.
1: Yeah, I, I think that makes some sense because I mean, we've heard Bettman say too, like, "Okay, Minnesota, like it's going there this year." It's like we'll make it out to Minnesota down the line, like what the NFL did with the draft, where they said, "Okay, we'll give it to Vegas down the road." But like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I th- I think if you want. An 82 game season, you have to really compress, which is not ideal for these guys who have to travel and play back to backs and all that. I also think you got to look at it. It's like, hey, like we got to get close back to our regular calendar. Some boys, we got to take a hit somewhere. Like this might. Be, well, well, I think the problem is obviously it, you want to get the revenues back, but like, do you want to be playing the Stanley Cup Final in August next year?
0: Well, that's the thing too. H- how do you have the expansion draft, right? If you're playing in the Stanley Cup Final. So like so, like for example, if they want to hold the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken in July when they do the awards, right? I believe it's in July usually, um, or or June, right after the Stanley Cup Finals, right? If if you're going to hold it at the same time, what are you going to do? Have this draft and then the players still play under contract for the team that they got drafted from if their team's in the finals? Like, how does that work? Do you have to wait until the finals are over? But then if you wait until the finals are over, that means Seattle's not going to have a roster until like a week before the next season starts if they have to compress it. So it's a very weird time next year. And it's a weird timing um, problem that Bettman has because of the expansion draft. There was no expansion draft this year. And he said, okay, look, we'll we'll just, again, we'll push it and we'll play an 82-game season. We won't have a bye week. Um, we'll we'll Skip play the more back-to-backs. Games. It's going to be... Yeah, it's gonna be. We're not gonna have the All Star Game this year, or if we do, it'll just be like a couple days, and we're not gonna drag it out, right? Like, like if he really compressed it, he can probably get the the, the Stanley Cup Final done by the by early August. He probably could, right? If you do that by early August, you could skip the NHL Awards Ceremony, right? If you wanted to. If you want to, you can also do it two days after the Stanley Cup Finals and just say, look, no, our feelings, you can't party that much. We have to do the awards, right? This is your job. But then, during the awards, you're going to give Seattle their roster in August and then try to start in October. That's not a quick turnaround for Seattle to figure out what they're doing.
1: No, I think the I think the answer is gonna, it's going to have to be a shortened season in some way. I know it's tough because you want to get the revenue yeah. back, but like I think you have to be realistic. I think the NHL, least of all, can afford to be – competing going on TV in the middle of August their playoffs because they don't have the cache that the NBA does. The NBA is high rate easy down for this whole thing.
0: Well well absolutely. Yeah. And 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 the shortened season I'll be honest with you, the the lower market teams are probably going to get hit super hard because of all this, right? Yeah. The Rangers, the Toronto uh I was gonna say Raptors, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Boston, Montreal. They'll be fine. All these high market, high grossing market teams They'll be fine. They could take this hit. but so like, Florida Panthers. Arizona. Arizona. I mean, yeah, Arizona. I mean, Winnipeg. you were already, like, yeah, you were. Well, no, Winnipeg's got a pretty good market, though. Like, they're not a high-market team. Like, they're not the New York Rangers or the Toronto Maple Leafs in, in, in terms of grossing money. But, like, when it comes to Canadian teams, you, you get a packed house every game. It's not like Florida Panthers where you see half the stadium is just empty, not even during a pandemic. Hurricanes, So, the, the Carolina Hurricanes, though, I think they're getting a little bit better when it comes to that. But, yes, you are correct. Yeah. But but those are the teams that are going to take the hit. Those are the teams that, God forbid, may have to relocate in six years because they couldn't come back from that hit.
1: Yeah, it's all stuff we can discuss. Uh, we'll discuss it on the podcast next week. Our legal guy, Phil Frey, is coming back on to talk about these winter sports and also college basketball coming back. But let's get to our holy moly bit here because you and I love this show. The season just ended. What was your thought on the playoff finale here? Where they had they brought everybody back, they brought their twelve winners back, and ends up with the White Buffalo Tanner Beard winning the two hundred fifty thousand dollars.
0: So, so here's my thing. First of all, I had a little problem with Tanner Beard winning. Yeah, he got into the finals because the guy who got into the finals got hurt or something. Yeah, the guy. And who, I'm really not sure what happened. I did read. But I'm the guy bad. who. Yeah, the guy who one to go to the finals of the episode, not the finals of the whole thing. Couldn't continue for some reason. So they put in Tanner beard. Yeah. Who was the guy he beat fine. He wins that final. Now he went to 250 K no hard feelings. I don't think that was very fair because this guy shouldn't even been in that position. That's number one, but I digress with that number two. I actually really enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed the format that they did single, like, you know, this eliminate single whole elimination thing, up until you have four people left, and then you play that hole, which I'm going to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be so much more grandiose, and it wasn't. It was, and, and the way they played it off was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Tess and Robert was like, "This is going to, we're going uh, to finally reveal the the last hole."
1: Actually, hold hold it, hold that thought for one second, because I do want to point out, you did correctly call an aspect of this hole the last time you were on the podcast. I want to play that back here, and then we'll we'll set up this hole for you. So this is. Pete talking back in Ju- in July about holy moly, and him pointing out something about the to- the tomb of Nefertiti, Steph Curry's secret hole on holy moly.
0: We actually caught a glimpse of it last episode. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone caught that. If anyone's keeping up with holy moly, but during like the intro or the 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 welcome back kind of sizzle reels that they put together to like tell you what's going on, you know what you missed from the commercial. You actually see two pyramids spinning on a hole that you've never seen before, like in a corner, really quickly. Yeah. So I think they kind of flashed that hole a little bit. So I wonder. Hopefully, it's more advanced than just a couple spinning pyramids, but uh, but it kind of looks like they kind of just like gave a little hint as to what it looks like. So so that that's a little Easter egg for you. Nailed it. all was. <laughs> I'm so mad. I was so mad. It was just a spinny thing with three pyramids and the guy's like, Okay, shoot it. Let's 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 see if it if it goes I I, I did I didn't call it. I, I I'm gonna be honest with you, I forgot about that. I forgot that I said something about it the last time back in the summer um that I saw it, but I had seen that part and I thought maybe that was like where the hole was and there was something like before it that you had to get through and then as it rolled down it went to the spinny thing, like whatever. Um. Oh my God. I- I'll tell. I'll tell you one thing though. W- Rob briggle and Joe Testator made it seem. <laughs> they. They. They were like, oh, we're gonna finally reveal it, and then when it finally revealed, they're like, uh, did we run out of money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it-, it, was- it was. It was literally like, oh, and they put like these squeaky wheel effects, so it sounds like it was like old and stuff. It was hysterical. They yeah. did a great job, like pulling it all through.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great because like this show is not afraid to make fun of itself, and like they're putting like the the creaky wheel, make it sound like it's like breaking apart as it's going, and, like, and they're and Rob Riggle and Joe test as you said are like, oh, I thought this would have been fancier than this, and like, and just like saying, oh, like this is what Steph Curry's working on the whole season, and I just thought it was hysterical, but the drama did play out very well. This just the fact that like you had to drain this shot in a hole-in-one to win the money. You see attempt after attempt after attempt, and then trying to get it all coming so close. It ended up working out well drama-wise that the hole sucked.
0: Yeah, no, I think it was smart to do it where it wasn't, you know, like a regular mini-golf hole where the best score wins. You have to sink it from from the tee, right? Um, You have to sink a hole-in-one, which I think made a simple hole not so simple, right? So they definitely played it off well. If they would have just said, yeah, put your way into the wind, then, then I'd be like, all right, what was what, what this crap? But, um, you know, I have to say, though, the whole the finals as a whole, like, was pretty good. Like, I like the new hole that they added. Um, there was a couple of them, maybe. Um, I know one of them, they, like, flipped you upside down, threw a pie in your face. Yeah, the clown. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, the clown hole, which, I'm going to be honest with you, people who were afraid of clowns probably did not like that. Like, do they vet <laughs> the people? Like, do they say to them, like, look, we're going to have a hole and they're going to be clowns. Like, I wonder if anyone on Holy Moly that was in the finals, like, no, 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 I ain't playing with no clowns. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's kind of what happened to the guy who 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 took, who's beat Tanner Beard, the White Buffalo, and ended up uh, opting out because, like, I read an interview with him where he was talking about being on the show where he, the one that he beat, Tanner Beardong was the was the uh, John Lovitz hole where he had to jump into the mechanical shark, and like, right. and he said he hit the shark super hard and like he just like came back because they filmed it on separate days. The hole, so like he came back the next day and was like, "Oh, I I'm in too much pain to do this," so he opted out. Then they brought Tanner Beard back to play that hole. That's why Tanner Beard was still in the tournament.
0: Yeah, I mean personally, they should have just said he was disqualified and put the person that was in the final just through.
1: They should have, but then Honestly, they were short. They were short a hole for the episodes. So I get why they did it.
0: I, I do too. I, I understand it, but like, come on. <laughs> the dude who won two hundred and fifty grand got beat. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's like that's like if the Islanders came back and got a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and they beat the the you know the Dallas Stars to win the Stanley Cup. It's like, come on, okay. they lost. All
1: right. So, question here: What's the bigger asterisk potentially in sports in 2020? This guy, Tanner Beard, winning this after getting basically a double, like basically getting the, being a lucky loser and getting brought back in after he lost. Or Miami Marlins making the MLB playoffs that they're playing 14, seven inning doubleheaders. Galler games.
0: Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Should I say a
2: tie? <laughs> like,
0: no, obviously I'm going to have to go Miami Marlins because holy Moly's not. It's an actual sport, but it's not like. People are betting on it or anything, right? There's like no one's like putting money on like, oh, you know, I'm gonna put put money on Double Dutch Courage to see if this guy wit Like it, it's obviously like a sport, but it's all scripted. Not scripted, but you, <laughs> you know, like it's not live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I can't. We can't hold holy him too too hard to its to its stuff.
1: I, I will say, I, give, I can to get them props, though. They they have fun with it. and I mean, they love this show so much that, like, they made two specials, like, clip shows as the season ended, and I loved it because it's not your new clip show. They were sort of spoofing the clip show that we're doing all these, like, elements of, like, the Sideline Reporter, like, funniest moments, the backstory of, right. of Course Marshal Joe, the story of, of the Deputy Course Marshal Colin, like, and they had, like, these funny bits of wriggle and Tessitore, which is great stuff. It reminds you why the show is so fun.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you said it best, too, that the show has a great way of making fun of itself. And I think when a show is humble like that and makes fun of itself and, like, doesn't try to, like, play it off as, like, this is the best thing ever, it just makes it so much more enjoyable. It's, like, they're making fun of it. You know the whole stinks, you know, to T D and, like, oh, like, oh, great, like, did we run out of, like, things would break and they'd make fun of it. I mean, it, it's... I have to say that if this show doesn't run for another six or seven seasons, I'll be very disappointed because I feel like this show is something that if they keep improving on each season, like they did, like season one was like, okay, season two was phenomenal. Like to me, you know, if they keep improving on that, putting new holes, revamping old ones and they keep test and wriggled together and they get a little more loose with their commentary where they can make more fun. I just, I, I would love to see this go another five, six seasons. This is perfect, like
1: summer TV fun because, like, this is you don't have to think too hard. You can have it on in the background. You're doing other things, and you could. But if you are paying attention to the lines, it's a it's a great it's a great watch.
0: Yeah, and and honestly, like it's 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 an hour. Like, and the best part is you don't even have to catch it on Thursday nights at eight or whatever it's supposed to be on live. Like, you can catch it on Hulu the next day. Can it in forty five minutes. You know, that's a lunch break. You know, or or two lunch breaks, depending on what you have at work. You know, or or even like an hour on Saturday morning or Sunday morning before football. Throw it on. I mean, granted, this is over before football starts um, because they're not gonna, you know, ABC is not gonna compete. Holy moly, with Thursday night uh, football. But um, you know, it it's something to watch. You know, it's something that you could do at your leisure. It's not it's not like you know, really pressing that you have to watch live.
1: Yeah it's not And before we get to My last thing Which is they had Fun with the holes I don't want to talk about that But like They do find Incredible contestants here Who was like Who were some of your Favorites this year Like the random like Contestant who had this One
0: bit that made Them memorable yeah. Well Okay that, that one guy That had like The Lady Gaga face paint The Lizard King Or whatever his name was Yeah The King of Mini Golf Okay that guy Something like that I don't even know He was He was funny But I, I, one of the contestants that wasn't funny, but what Joe Joe Testator said was funny about it, like that. Do you remember the lady who sank the hole in one on uh, rubber putty? I don't, I think so, yeah. Or put, excuse me, putter ducky. I didn't say that right. Putter ducky. So she sinks the hole in one, and, and, and she's a scrapbooker. Yeah. Like she likes to make scrapbooks. And Joe Testator just screams, top of his lungs, put that in your scrapbook. And I just, it, I will never forget that line. That was one of the <laughs> funniest things I heard Joe Testador say ever in this show. He goes, "Put that in your scrapbook when she hits it," because everyone's freaking out that she hits this hole in one.
1: yeah that was good. There were two who stuck out to me really, like and the clips remind me of them, which was great. It's like number one was the cookie lady, who I loved. It was great. She ends up baking. Oh cookies. yes! Yeah, she's she made snickerdoodles for Joe yes. That was just that was hysterical. Yes. She actually made the finale. She actually won her episode. So. We saw him yeah. get, get knocked out in one of the rounds, but my favorite has to be the applesauce guy.
0: I forgot about the applesauce guy. Didn't they drop like a Gatorade bottle full of applesauce on him? Like, yeah, after, they get, like it was the NFL. Yeah, they did. They, uh, he, he
1: he won a hole at and then like I did his interview with the sideline reporter Jeannie May and like they dump a bucket of applesauce on him like he's getting the Gatorade bath after winning the Super Bowl and like he's sitting there he's actually eating the applesauce out of the bucket and is like I need to, I, I'm not coming back next year I was like just yeah, dying yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I wonder what nicknames they'd give us like if like me, you, Stanko Steve Colto like we all went on like what would our nicknames be you would, yours would be hockey related I'm sure yeah I don't, I, like have the Happy Gilmore of, of mini golf or something like that like uh <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I would, I would, I would probably be like angry podcast guy.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't even I don't even know. Like I'm I trying, I'm trying to think what like yours would be. It would be like just just like the the angry mini golfer. I don't yeah. know, like the the angry New York sports team mini golfer. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know, but I would I would talk. That's that's something to talk about off the air. We'll figure that out the air. But like the last thing here is obviously they. I don't know if you saw the second special or not, but they did. Have apparently had a fan vote where they ranked all twenty-five holes from the two seasons from top to bottom. Right. Steph Curry's right. two-and-effort tee was ranked second to last. By the way.
0: Yeah. Well. <laughs> if if uh, if what's his name wasn't so crappy, um, the the, the creek one.
1: Yeah, I think that one. Yeah, the, yeah. Beaver Creek was dead last. The top Beaver Creek. Yeah, the top. Did you happen to see the top ten?
0: I, I did. Yeah, so. I just, I can't, I, I remember the top two, but I can't remember the rest.
1: Okay, so I'll have the list here. Number 10 is Caddy Smack, Steph Curry against the Rob Riggle robot from season one.
0: Number, yeah, that was pretty good.
1: Yeah, number nine, Dutch Curry's, the original edition without the extra blade. Right. Number eight was Mount Holy Moly, the, basically the, the season one, like, final hole. That was fun.
0: Yeah, the one that they repurposed to be Polcano, right? Yep.
1: Season seven, I mean, yeah. number seven, hole number two. I think is way too low. I think this should be like way higher.
0: Yeah, no, hole hole number two should be much higher, only because of the sheer, the sheer, just the name of it first of all, but yeah. also like yeah. the impact yeah. that this thing has when you run into the door is just yeah. insane. So yeah, that could be a little higher.
1: Yeah, n- number six is a distractor. I think is a little high, but I get it. Yeah, number yeah. number five, Frankenputt. I think is extremely overrated by the by the casuals. You know what?
0: You know what's weird about Frankenputt. I thought they had like a lawsuit about it because there was like a six show run where they wouldn't show that hole. Yeah. Because they were getting shot. It was yeah. like the first couple episodes, like everyone was going to Frank and putt And then they finally brought it back for the finale and like, wait, they're still doing this? I thought like someone got hurt badly and they're like, we can't do this anymore. Because it was like literally the first two episodes, the first two or three episodes had like it a couple times. And then you didn't see it for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, it made no sense. I'm not a big fan of that hole. Obviously, number four, Polcano, the repurged Mount Holy Moly, but the like the zipline into the pole was great, and I, I couldn't believe that, that the second 11th, that was, I like, had somebody actually managed to land on the pole without falling in the water.
0: It's it's insane. That zipline's powered too. It's not yeah. just by your weight. Like they pull you into the pole. Yeah, they rock uh, you I, in there. I would I would get dude. I would get rocked. Like there'd be no way. <laughs> if I, think, I hit the pole, fly into the water like dead. I
1: I might make the business decision to jump off before I even hit the pole
0: true i I, you know honestly i'd I'd risk i'd risk the drowning than the injury yeah
1: because the water is not that not that deep it'd be cold but like i'd rather not get smacked in the face
0: (laughs) right exactly exactly
1: number three dragon's breath all like you said a lot of fun number two double dust courage which you can't crowd favorite this year especially when they moved over the wars was the flowers in season one but number one had to be uranus
0: yep yep
1: I think they, ha- I think those top three are all Waxy
0: back next season. And, and and the funny part is 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 Uranus is, is a is an intricate. <laughs> I'm doing it now, so, like <laughs> Joe Uranus is an intricate hole. Um, it, it's an intricate part of the course, but also the name is funny.
1: It is I think they may to do do come up, like have the uh, writers have more puns for them for the next year. I feel that like this the jokes starting uh, to run a fantastic. little dry. They're starting to run a little dry Briggles...
0: at, the end, at the end though. Yeah, but. Yeah, but Rob Rob Riggle would like Add stuff Like there was one point The ball got stuck In the channel And he goes Can someone stick their hand Up Uranus Dragon Ball <laughs> <laughs> It was
1: perfect It was perfect They gotta keep that They gotta keep that They got keep like Adding like more side characters To this show next season That also was a lot of fun
0: Yeah, no I think I think um, You know I, Sir Golf Is like whatever Like yeah. he's a mascot Like I was watching the clip show And they had like This whole backstory About Sir Golf. I'm like All right really like i'm like whatever but you know genie Mai i think needs to have a bigger role in the season because you don't really hear her speak a lot during the episodes i feel like they should have more of her um and i think that joe testator and rob Riggle they should let the leash off a little bit looser for them and let them really make fun of these holes and have a good time you know make fun of the people because i think that will make it 10 times better
1: yeah, I think, I think that will be a lot of fun seeing how they play this going forward. There's going to be a season three and I will, I think the key to season three is obviously I think get some new holes in there. I like give Rob Rickle his little like Epcot model of all the holes again. That was a lot of fun. I did enjoy that. Yeah. And I think yeah. you, you got, I think obviously keep your casting going, but like, the thing is like, just let, I think the way to describe it best is like, if you're a wrestling fan, it's kind of got like that wrestling storytelling element to it where you got these little things that just like make it better. Like
0: yeah no you're right every every character has their own like little quirks has their own thing to them yeah which i think which i think is good they have their own storyline their own nicknames um what they're playing for you know and i think i think they should really for next season they should learn and put the money now that they have all these holes made they can take the budget make a couple new holes to get rid of like beaver creek and like buds and wieners i don't know like yeah, buns and wieners. Um, you know those; those two are probably can go. Like you can switch them up, but now that you have all the holes. Like make a really good fit final hole, like yeah. something that the like the whole hour is them playing the final hole. Yeah, you're, you're, I think that would be uh, that would be a good a good change. I think
1: that would be fun, and we need Steve Gutenberg back. Rex destroying destroying divers again.
0: Yes, no, that that I think I think Gutenberg was a, excellent.
1: All right, Pete, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, can people find on social media and keep up with your hockey hot takes?
0: Yeah, no, find me on Twitter, at PJConsidori29. Um, usually retweeting a lot of stuff over there. And the and, uh, an occasional, occasional reply on someone's uh, tweet to like, start a little discussion. But uh, yeah, I got to get better with Twitter. I'll be honest with you, I got to get a little better.
1: Yeah, Twitter's not it's not easy to match those Twitter streets.
0: Yeah, no, I got I gotta I just gotta I gotta like put my opinions out there a little bit more. I think the people would appreciate it.
1: All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that, Pete. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Alright. Up next, we're do NFL picks, week number three. My buddy Kevin Lillis will be joining me in just a minute. We're also gonna have some fun taking apart the Jets right after this.
2: Show me the money.
1: Oh, no. All right, show me the money. NFL picks are week number three are coming up right now. Join me today, somebody we haven't actually heard from since July of twenty January of twenty nineteen. We are talking about prop bets for Super Bowl fifty three. Good friend of mine, <laughs> Jet fan, Kevin Lillis, breaking the record for longest gapman appearances. Kevin, welcome back. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Mike. How are you doing? Could be better because I mean we're both Jet fans. That's that stinks, Yeah the Mets at least are. the Mets at least winning tonight. They're up two one as of recording, but they're not going to the playoffs.
2: Oh, Mike, the, the latest thing I saw from the Mets was that the stadium was on fire, and I just said, <laughs> "Well, you know, <laughs> what else could go wrong?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I'm going
2: to so. talk about the Mets at the end of the show,
1: but such a fitting end to the Wilpon era that these a fire on the background, the final <laughs> Sunday they have a home game, and they're going to miss the playoffs, and their 18s nationally get it. I mean
2: what what else what else is going to go wrong next you know like is what, what else is going to burn down but didn't the stadium catch fire last year too yes it i did. think like yeah, i think they they need to re- i think the FDNY needs to, re- to review all their uh, their sprinkler systems
1: <laughs> yeah they absolutely do but like the mets i think there's there's good there's a the sun's coming out tomorrow with them we're going to have good news with them <laughs> yeah. going forward but boy oh, boy we got so. we got nothing going on with the jets right now this was, sunday was bad <laughs>
2: Mike, to be honest, I was driving back from Rhode Island and I purposely left my, my friend's house because I knew that that game was going to be bad. After after what I saw the first week, they are just inept, I think is the only word, and it starts with
1: it, it Um
2: I don't know. What do you think?
1: I mean, let's start here. I mean, five seconds is the game. 80 yards to the house, Raheem Mostert. I'm like, are you kidding me? We can't even get the yeah. game started and we're already down 7 nothing. And it was an untouched eighty yards too. Nobody even laid a hand on Mostert.
2: And and I just before we came on, I saw news there that supposedly the practices are like barely prac considered practices at all. Um, yeah. He seems to be like this. I mean to me in person, and, you know, he seems to look like some kind of perfectionist, but he can't seem to get anything perfect or <laughs> or anything right, you know, and. and mm. it, especially with practices, those are the most important things. Those are where, you know, all your players, you learn and hone their skills and ready for Sunday. And if practices aren't, you know, strict, like they're supposed to be in football, then, you know, what's the point of playing on Sunday? And it's just, I don't know. I, I'm I'm starting to become very disenfranchised with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're referencing the interview Avery Williamson did on WFAN this afternoon with Joe Bingo yeah. and Evan Roberts. He talked about, I think Bradley McDougall actually mentioned it after the game on Sunday. And, we see all these things all the time. I mean, do you did you see the 3rd and 31 play? I saw the highlight of it. I was I just couldn't believe it. 3rd and 31, they want to give up draw and get 55 yards. What is
2: this? Yeah. I mean, come but on. Also, like, 3rd and 18, he doesn't realize that deep balls have two chances of success. Like, with a catch or a penalty, even if it's intercepted, it just usually acts as a good punt. Like, he just seems to treat 3rd and anything like it's six. Like it's six, it's third, and eighteen. Like I don't, I don't understand it. He's just like, it, I, I don't know. And 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 you know, the 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 owners. Something has to be done with this because yeah. Yeah. the Johnsons are just driving this team into the ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, you saw you had one of my notes there. I said third and eighteen. They run those get up draws all the time.
2: I, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I just I immediately thought of our friend Anthony Galby screaming yeah. at the TV. Oh my god! This is a family. A super f- fan. I wanted to bring him on, but
1: this this podcast needs to stay a little family friendly. So otherwise, it'll be too many expletives ex- coming in here. But oh yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody who's watched this offense for about like let's say eighteen games now, Adam Gates. Like, isn't it this ninety percent like wide receiver screens and runs right into the A gap? Isn't that the entire offense?
2: I don't know what he's trying to. I I guess like, but, but What the It's point? almost like he's trying to be. It's like shoot. I don't understand it. Like he's thinking like he's coming up with new systems with fo- like how to play football. Like he's just I don't know what his mentality is. Yeah. It's like he's trying to constantly looking for the right play and he can't adjust to whatever the defense is putting out there and you know, he never has the right personnel because he's not able to coach his personnel to the level needed to fit his system, which is I, I no one knows. It I don't even not even Belichick has a system like he does.
1: Yeah, it's really bad, and I mean the sequences that really stand out to me was first that third and one play, a third, fourth and one play in the first half. And now fourteen to three, they ran right in the middle of the line on back to back plays. And Adam, I mean ESPN's Rich media asked him the other day, Adam Gase, on that fourth and one call. And this is from media what he said. He says, "Quote: Why didn't Sam Darnold call a QB sneak on fourth and one play that failed? Not allowed per Adam Gase. Why not? That's my call," Gase said. With a gaping hole in the center-left guard gap, Darnold would have easy, made an easy first down. Gay said alls are built into certain plays, but not that one. Darnold, Adam said it best. I don't have the option to do that. We were worried about executing the play. If we execute the play call, we have a first down. No one will be talking about it. What was this thing that the quarterback can't audible on fourth and one? What are we doing here? Oh, my God.
2: What what does he know? Like does he Is he acting like he, he knows something? He knows more about football than, than everybody else? Yeah. He's just... That's what he does. And, like, I remember the initial reactions that we had when he got hired. I think, like, I I was just, it was so out of left field because McCarthy was still eligible or still there. And I don't care what anyone says about him not wanting to play. Obviously, the Jets didn't offer him enough money. So like, yeah. I, I, me personally, I think that the price wasn't right, and you know, people, you know, some people didn't like McCarthy. I, I would prefer
1: him to Gase, to be honest. Oh yeah, Matt Rule also in the mix too. I think they wanted to hire him, but they insisted yeah, on hiring Matt Rule's true. staff for him. And Matt Rule said, "Hell no, I'm not doing this. I'll stay in college another year." And he went to Carolina and picked his own staff. We'll see how Bailey I burns them. But Adam Gase also had some winners in in the media the other day. I mean, he had this brilliant gem to say on the after the game when he was talking about, like, how his offense was, how his offense performed. This is a year plus of you guys struggling to be able to move the ball on offense. Like we, were, we, were, we were moving the ball early. We moved the ball. We got to finish in the red zone.
2: So is this, like, a successful day for you on offense? No,
1: we moved the ball at the beginning of the game. Then we had some injury issues. We were down in two wide receivers. Let me get this straight. In the game, when the 49ers had nine starters out of the game, we're blaming injuries on the Jets? Come on.
2: Mike, I hear that, and it just mm-hmm. it sounds like a certain person at a certain level of politics in this <laughs> country who seemingly does not want to, you know, admit to details that are being brought in forth in right. front of him. Do you know? <laughs> like moving the ball? Yes, the ball moves. That's how the game works. <laughs> or, there's no one restating that issue that fact. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is you don't move the ball enough. <laughs> yeah, And I mean let's get I
1: mean, let's get one thing straight here. Yes, Brashad Perriman going out hurts the offense, but and the four yards playing without George Kittle, Richard Sherman, Debo, Samuel, Nick, Raheem, Muster, Jimmy
2: Garoppolo, Nick Bosa. You can't make the excuse about injuries. I couldn't believe it when I got home. Like I got, I drove three hours back from Rhode Island, and I get on, you know, to see yeah. what their highlights were. We're going. Yeah. I caught the Chargers Chiefs game or whatever, and they brought up the whole injuries that the Forty that Nineers the had, and I'm like, how did we lose this poorly? And it's just, it's going to reflect really badly on Sam Darnold, sadly, because I really think the kid has a lot of talent. He, I mean, he's got a great arm, and, you know, I, I think he's being wasted right now, and I'm afraid of what's going to happen next. Because it, it's only a matter of time, honestly, yeah. like, before Gates gets fired. Yeah, I do and know. who is going to come into that spot is the big question.
1: Yeah, that's a matter of time for sure. But I do want to touch on one more thing from this game, which is after they get a miracle in the second half, Pierre Desir picks the pass off. They get down the field. They go fourth and seven. End up fourth and seven on the play. I think they're inside the ten yard line. Adam Gase opts to kick the field goal, make it twenty-four <laughs> to three, make it twenty-four to six, making him eighteen points. That's that twenty-one. is whoop de doo and he got asked about that one too. Here's what he had to say about that.
0: Adam, can you explain the decision? Uh, second half, you guys had, had gotten down to the red zone. You had that fourth and
1: six, fourth and seven. Uh, yeah. You decided to kick the field goal. I mean, the field goal. Yeah, was... I mean, there's just not
0: you know there's not a ton of great plays on fourth and seven when you're playing that defense. I mean. We thought we had a good play the play before, you know, and that's a low percentage. And, you know, we had our opportunity to score there, just trying to get points, just try to get something going,
1: get some kind of, you know, just a little bit of positive juices flowing with our guys. You know, it just, you know, if we would have came away with there with no points, it's, it's just, it's frustrating to get down there and not get any points. So just trying to get three, just get something going, get our guys rolling a little bit. I got two big problems with that. Number one, you're an NFL coach. You don't have a play call for fourth and seven. What in the world are you living in? Oh my God. What's he
2: going on about
1: juices? Yeah. Like that's, my, <laughs> that's the other excuse that, that. That's the other thing. Is like, oh, we need to do something positive here and get three points. Three points does you nothing, but it's twenty-four-three in the fourth quarter. It's twenty-four to six. What goal did you accomplish there? All you did was like decrease the margin of defeat. And that was basically saying I don't trust you guys to score here, so let me get some points and make the rest of the loss not look as bad.
2: Oh, oh, my God. I can't even listen to him anymore, honestly. That was just brutal. It was really
1: bad, and I got a great tweet from Great Football Perspective on Twitter, and he says here, Adam Gase, crew record is 30-29-8. That's 30 wins, 29 double-digit losses, and 8 single-digit losses. That's all you need to know is that one stat.
2: And how much is it going to go up, you know, when they play the Colts this week? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, what are we going to do? I don't even think I'm going to watch on Sunday either. I'm just like. why? I mean, why why, so, why,
1: why would you? Uh, Seahawks, Cowboys, at the same time. You're going to watch actual football yeah. being played as opposed to whatever Adam Gates
2: trying to do. Have a great game yeah. with that we yeah. so we got a bunch of
1: great games coming up this weekend. Actually, yeah, you got the Seahawks, Cowboys this weekend. You got Packers, Saints Sunday night, Chiefs, Ravens game of the year on Monday night. Why would you oh, watch yeah, the Jets? Be great.
2: Why would you watch the you, Jets? Have, you, yeah. you have no reason to. Just as like I don't watch the Mets anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for Met Life to catch fire. <laughs> yeah, but like this is the thing that's
1: worrying. If you was a Jet fan, because the owner Christopher Johnson like really was running the press week one, saying like I have faith in Gase. It can't get worse from week one to week two. It got worse. Yeah, and like I don't, know, I don't know what you need to see because I don't know about you. Obviously, they're gonna lose this week. They are big underdogs. I mean, they're almost the Colts are almost minus five hundred and half, ten and a half, and they're almost minus five hundred uh-huh. on the money line, which is like unheard of in an NFL game. <laughs> Jesus, maybe to, I'll watch it for the for yeah. the for the comedy. Maybe yeah. it might be funny. Yeah, you have to bet five hundred dollars win a hundred dollars on the Colts.
2: <laughs> That's like obscene. Well, you know what? Someone once told me it's not a bad way of betting because it's guaranteed it, money.
1: <laughs> it pretty much is guaranteed money. And, like, <laughs> let's, let's look at it this way with the Jets. Like, if you look at their schedule, they have the short week after this game when they lose, and they're going to play Denver at home. Denver's going to be flying east on three day, for a three-day's rest with Jeff Driscoll, at quarterback. If they do not win that football game, that team's going like 0-9 because they are not beating the Chiefs. They're not beating the, the Cardinals. They're not beating the, the uh, Chargers. The Patriots are in. They're not winning another game for a while.
2: Uh, Mike, I saw that Blake Bortles is interviewing in Denver, and I wouldn't be surprised if he played on Thursday. He would still beat the Jets. That's how bad they are. Yeah, the Jets are not
1: good. And then the thing you worry about is something you mentioned before. It's like if this ends up going the way I think it's going to go, which is like, say, 2-14 and at best, Gaze is out the door, and then you sitting there at one, are you going to end up giving up on Sam Darnold with a new coach who was not wed to this guy and the GM who didn't draft him?
2: So, are are you officially going into uh, Gaze Watch? Like, when, you know, what week will he will he be let go? I think the bye is the one I would
1: look for because they have a bye week 11. Mm. If, they're, if they're one and nine, I think he's gone.
2: For sure. And you got Greg Williams. And then here. who do you think? Oh, don't say that. I, I'm not a big fan of Greg Williams. I, I think, mean, the, the, the I think how undisciplined a, our team is, it's, uh, I think a lot
1: of it stems from him. I think I said he's the interim guy, but then you have to worry about whoever you bring in next year. They go look at it and say, boy, I have number one, I have extra picks, so I just take Trevor Lawrence and reset the clock, and then I have to dump Sam Darnold because my my game's ruined him.
2: And I'm like, I didn't get your opinion on Douglas. What do
1: you think of him as a GM so far? Douglas, I need to see more because, like, the line looks better for sure, but like he was not aggressive enough at receiver. The secondary still has issues. Like it's going to take yeah. time because Mike McCagden was such a dumpster fire as the GM that like he just really put this team yeah. in such a hole that like Douglas needs time to fix it. And I can see the appeal of like, okay, we'll get Trevor Lawrence next year and reset the clock here and give ourselves like time to build around the rookie on the rookie contract. Because Sam only has two years left cheap before you have to pay him. Yeah. Which is not we you yeah, should have had to say, do. It. we we'll have, have to give him some time. Yeah, you can't. Which is something that's you shouldn't have to do. You shouldn't be wasting number three picks because your owner hires incompetent coaches. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but that's enough of the Jets. We'll go. We'll go to the picks. There's the reason why you're here. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, because I'm so lucky, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or me and my, you know, <laughs> my Super Bowl picks they anyway, yeah. are lucky. Yeah. I don't know about anything else.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Charlie Borges is here for Team Challenges last week. He went two and one the week. He had the Bengals getting the five and a half in Cleveland against the Browns. They won by they they lost by five, so he covered. He had the Packers laying five and a half against the Lions. They came back to blow them out, so that worked out for him. He had the Vikings plus three in Indianapolis against the Colts. That one did not go so well, but <laughs> still a two and one week for Charlie. Well, you know. Let's see how let's see how well I do then. Yeah. I on the I had a pretty good week. I did go three and zero. Yeah. And you had a pretty good fantasy week, didn't you? No, I lost it, fantasy. Don't remind oh, me. Oh, I thought
2: you won. <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had the Giants getting six points in Chicago. They they lost by seven. They lost. They won They covered the number, so I was happy about that. I had the Dolphins plus five and a half in Buff again at home against Buffalo. They won that game, I had the Ravens laying the seven. They blew the Texans out, so. Perfect 3-0 oh week in week number two for me, which I'm just happy, because week two, I think, is the hardest week in the league to bet.
2: Pretty good, though. Yeah. And I
1: say for yourself, 3-0. and oh. Yeah. On the year, Teen Challengers is 5-1. and one. I'm 5-1, and one, so we are both off to hot starts. So we're going to see how this goes in week number three. Kevin, you are up with your picks. Where are you going with pick number one?
2: Pick number one is going to be the big game that I am really looking forward to. It's the Monday night game, Chiefs-Ravens. Um, I have a feeling Lamar Jackson is still a little bit ticked off from picking, getting picked last in the first round of the draft. But you know, I think this kid could be some, become something special. But I'm afraid Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs—they—they—they're, you know, I think what is it, three and a half? Yep. On it on the on the Ravens. I believe so. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Chiefs on this game because I think the, the Chiefs—they are—they are still the team to beat this year. They are a brilliant team. That game is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I would stay away. They really from it.
1: are. I would stay away from it just because the number I feel like is so spot on. But like, if you're getting Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, it's hard to argue that. Cause you're not getting that very often. Yeah.
2: Mhm. Where are you going with? I the- love the kid, too. Yeah. Where are you going with uh, number two? Number two, I'm going with the Steelers. um, I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of Big Ben. I kind of like him. Um, but they you know they're doing they. I've watched their past two games. They seem to be pretty good. Um, Roethlisberger and James Conner are back together, um, but you know the Texans. I don't know if you know, their defense could stand up to the Big Ben. And you can't always forget. Everyone always forgets uh, Juju Smith Schuster. I mean, he's just as da- just as dangerous. Yeah. Number, um, number
1: of that was minus four, so, right? Yeah. All right, so I agree with that pick. That was one I would have gone with if you didn't go there because I write a column every week on FanSided, But the five best bets of the week, I have the Steelers number one because the Texans did not look good either of the two games. I get they were playing the Chiefs and the Ravens, but they were awful in both of those football games. And Pittsburgh is a very good yeah. defense. Pittsburgh can run the football. Pittsburgh can do pretty much any, whatever they want here. They're at home. Give me, The Steelers are four points. I think it's a bargain. Good job, Kevin. Yeah, that's where I'm
2: going with the pick two. And then my last is the vikings over the titans plus two and a half and it's uh like i don't know i I have a soft spot for the vikings yeah and i don't think the titans are that good um minnesota's defense is pretty bad i know because they're on my fantasy team and i've been screaming about it but um i don't think that the titans are going to be able to 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 beat out the, the vikings especially um there's nothing scary about Tennessee's overrated defense. So, the, and Kirk Cousins is super streaky as of late. Um, while Ryan Tannehill, you know, he, you know, he, I still don't trust Ryan Tannehill. I remember the Sports Pope was, you know, loved Ryan Tannehill like when he was drafted. Thought like, he was a great quarterback, but I don't know. I, I don't think Tannehill got it. I think he's on the decline real fast. Yeah, I love that pick, too. couple of
1: things that I like about that pick. Number one, the, Vi- the Titans again up 136 yards a game on the ground the first two games. You know they're going to run Dalvin Cook uh, crazy. Number two, the Titans only beat Jacksonville and Denver by a combined five points. They're going on the road to an 0-2 Vikings team that really needs the game. I love their spot there. I think the Vikings are going to win this game out, right? so I think that's a fantastic pick out of you. I'm up now. Right. I'm up now. Pick number one. Going right to the Colts, laying those 10 and a half points against the New York Jets. <laughs> this is just the lock of the week because Adam Gase's teams are not competitive. This is the, not a yep. game they'll be close in. They're going on the road. They don't have Le'Veon Bell. They might not have Rashad Perriman. They might not have Jameson Crowder either. What do the Jets have going for them here? Nothing. And he's, this is a guy who's lost 29 games by double digits, including 12 <laughs> with the Jets. You're laying 10 and a half. It's not a lot. The Colts are going to win by two touchdowns. Look, give me the Colts. Pick one.
2: Nothing <laughs> That's a lock That's a layup
1: <laughs> That's the lock of the week If you're in those knockout yep. pools That's the lock of the week too Colts over the Jets That's the easiest one on the board <laughs> Yep Pick number For two. sure Yeah pick number two I'm going with the dog here Road dog I'm taking the Lions Getting five and a half Down in Arizona for Pick game number two I think this is The Lions I know they lost both games They were up big In both of them though They collapsed to them Kenny Galladay coming back Is going to help this is a spot where I think the Cardinals are going to be looking at the headline, saying, "Boy, we're two and zero. Everybody loves us. This is great. We got the Car- We got the Jets coming up. We got the Panthers out. McCaffrey coming up. We can be five and zero. And then all of a sudden, oops, bad game. Lions are in this. Yeah. Lions, Lions. can win this outright. I think Detroit at least covers the number. Give me the Lions plus five and a half. Pick two. Nice pick. Yeah, I think that's that's my logic there. Pick number three. I'm going. I'm going to go with the favorite here. I'm gonna go with one I think the numbers should be higher than it is here in the match. I think the Buccaneers laying six points in Denver against the Broncos. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at this game, see the line. I'm like, they do realize that Jeff Driscoll is the quarterback of the Broncos, right? They do realize that 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 uh, Drew Locke is out and J- and Jer- and uh, Cortland Sutton is out and Philip Lindsay's out and the Den- and yet Denver's at home. This is still a Tampa Bay team that's healthy, very good defense. They have weapons on all sides of the football. They're laying only six. They will win this game going away. Jeff Driscoll cannot hang with Tom Brady. Give me the Colt. Yep. I mean, give me the Buccaneers laying six in Denver. Pick three. Three
2: solid picks, Mike. I mean, one of them is you know a lock, but the <laughs> other two I really like. <laughs> yeah. All right. T- to
1: reset the picks of the week, Kevin is going with the Chiefs getting three and a half in the big game on Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers laying four at home against the Houston Texans. The Minnesota Vikings, plus 2.5 at home against the Tennessee Titans. I am getting the laying the Colts, the 10.5 points against the New York Jets. Detroit Lions getting 5.5 in Arizona against the Cardinals. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying 6 in Denver, week number 3. Those are your picks on Showing the Money. Next week in this spot, our good buddy Will Smith coming on here talking about his Dallas Cowboys after they played the Seahawks. So that'll be some fun.
2: I love Will. Tell Will I said hello.
1: I absolutely will, Kevin. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, any, you, any social media plugs you want to give out?
2: Uh, just castrophoto.com is my Instagram page. Just doing you know astrophotography shots that I've been doing. Trying to get out you know Iceland last year. Saw the solar eclipse the year before. You know, trying to catch a uh, you know a few of the astrological things. Keep myself create you know my mind off of the whole pandemic.
1: <laughs> all right, check out CastroPhoto on on Twitter, Kev on Instagram, Kev. Thanks again. I really appreciate it.
2: Appreciate it, Mike. Good luck, bud.
1: All right. Up next, we're going to go to the two minutes. We're going to talk about the Mets right after this. The two-minute drill. All right. We are back here. Two-minute drill time. Talk about the New York Mets. So I put a little bow on them before we come back a couple weeks, do the off-season preview. This season was disappointing. Simply put, they had the best pitcher in baseball. They had one overachieved but they could not make the playoffs because this team did not have enough starting pitching. They could not hit with Margin in scoring position. The bullpen fell apart in key moments. All that add up to them missing the playoffs. And it's just fitting for the Wilpon era to end with an eight-team playoff field, and they can't make it. Eight teams. All they had to do was go 500. One or two over, they would have been in. Couldn't do it. There is good news. The sum will come out tomorrow. The great Steve Cohen is coming over. Want the team. Should be approved soon. And sounds like there's big changes coming. Steve Cohen's already talking about bringing in smart baseball people to run the baseball operation. Sandy Alderson, former GM of the Mets, stepped away after the 2018 season. Looks like he's on his way back. Probably a senior advisor to Steve Cohen. This is a big step forward. Colin wants baseball people to run this team. He broke, he addressed the media earlier on Tuesday, after the Mets, earlier on Monday, excuse me, after the Mets played the Rays. Lost the game, by the way. Jacob DeGrom, great again. Seven innings, 14 strikeouts, lose 2 1. Typical Jacob DeGrom start most years. But anyway, Steve Cohen says, I'm letting baseball people make the baseball decisions. And to that, you just you just have to sit there as a fan. You're going, Woo-hoo! this man gets it. The baseball people know what they're doing. They understand how to do this because they are baseball men. They know what you have to do here. They won't be trading your top prospects and taking out $100 million to get a closer. That makes no sense. They will not be trading every depth guy you have in the minor leagues for marginal upgrades on the on the major league roster this is something that's very good and you read between the lines of his comments that's not good for brody van wagenen brody van wagenen is on hot water it sounds like he's on his way out the door i mean would you have been nice for him to actually not operate with jeff wilpon basically being the gm and having brody be a puppet sure but it's not how it happened he's on his way out the door most likely jeff wilpon out the door and Math fans, you dodged a bullet with A. Rod not getting this team because A. Rod, basically according to John Heyman, would have kept Jeff Wilpon in charge. Nothing would have changed for you, nothing. And now Steve Cohen is here. You have baseball people. You have analytics staff built up, and the possibilities are endless. Because Mark Craig of the Athletic has pointed out, they are the unluckiest team in baseball this year. Their Fangraphs record says they should be well above 500, they are below 500. Again, a lot of that is due to poor luck with the runners in scoring position. Bad like luck with the batting average on balls in play. Bad clutch performances. Running into outs on the bases. A lot of these things are correctable. And you get regression the mean with the runners in scoring position. And you get better fundamentals being taught next season. I think it's a lot of it. It's going to be a very good year to be a Met fan. Because you have a very good offensive core. Most of your offensive lineup is set. The pitching is the key to this team. You have Jacob DeGrom. He's great. But you need guys behind him. Steven Matz has regressed. You cannot count on him. Seth Lugo should be in the bullpen. He should not be in the rotation next year. I mean, Daya Pearson has been good. That's a positive. You can count on him next year. But you still need three more guys. You need to go get a big arm. Whereas Trevor Bauer, there's re Marcus Stroman, who's opt-out, really was the beginning of the game for this season. You need to get multiple starting pitchers in here. You need to work on your bullpen. You have to hope that Edwin Diaz's strong finish to 2020 carries forward. You're stuck with you Amelia. Stuck with Batans. He's probably going to opt in. Hope they bounce back. Shuffle out some arms around them. Extend Michael Conforto. That's the next big priority for Steve Cohen as soon as he gets here, because this guy's been a breakout star this year. He's been a guy who hitting the ball all over the field. He can hit 330, hit for power, be a good defensive right fielder. This guy should stay long term. And the first thing I would do if I'm Steve Cohen is sign Michael Kafaro with a contract extension. Take care of that right now. Find a center fielder. You also got to do that because Brandon Nimmo, is not playing center field every day. You cannot let him do that. He's fine in the corner, but you need him to be in the corner and get a real center fielder. The catcher position, very interesting because Wilson Ramos, you're not going to pick up his option. You're not going to pick up Robin Cerinos' option. Tomas is a good backup, but you need a starter. And there is one guy on the market who can do that for you in JT Realmuto. Brody whack and tried the game a few years ago. Didn't want to part with the prospects. Now it will just cost money. And that's one thing Steve Cook make a splash right away and say, bring me a catcher. Here's a guy who can start every day on this team, hit in the middle of the order, right-handed hitter, give you some pop, give you some speed, give you great defense. The pieces are there for the Mets to turn things around very quickly. And it's very exciting. You could have next year the Mets going into the postseason. It will be a lot of fun. I think, I'm going to be bold with this. I think within five years, this team wins a ring with Steve Collins, as the owner. That's incredible. Five years. One difference the owner will make, and it is massive. I cannot wait to see it happen. And with that, I'm going to wrap this week's show. I want to thank my guest Pete Considori for spending a lot of time talking hockey and holy moly. And the great Kevin Willis doing NFL picks week number three. If you want more stuff on my podcast? Like I mentioned at the top of the show, you can check out my blog posts on MLB's expanded season, long term, how it, why I think it's a bad idea. Check out the blog justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify, and new Amazon Podcasts. We are now on Amazon Podcasts as well. To search for Just End the Suffering there and on any of those other platforms to find all our old episodes there. Give me your feedback and star ratings as well will make this podcast even better going forward. Also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's mphilips331. That's m p h i l i p s 331. Follow me there. Keep the conversation going. And that's it for this week. Coming up next week, we got the NBA Finals talk, more NFL picks, a look at the future of the winter sports, and more. Until then, I'll be a better week than the Jets fans.